More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. On this episode of the Family Business Voice, we talk to Dan Vanderfleet, the John and Diane Smith Executive Director of Family Business at Cornell University, and Torsten Pieper, an Associate Professor at UNC Charlotte Belk College of Business and the President of the International Family Enterprise Research Academy, about their research examining family businesses' contribution to the U.S. economy. Their findings suggest that family businesses make up 54% of that country's GDP, which translates to $7.7 trillion. And even more surprisingly, there are 10 million more active family businesses in the U.S. than in 2003, which shows that the family business model is more relevant than ever before, despite its underrepresentation in academia and mainstream media. Enjoy this episode with Dan and Torsten. Welcome, Torsten and Dan, to the Family Business Voice. Really nice to have you both here today. Thank you, Ramya. Great to be here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, uh, guys, I'm really excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today because, let's face it, everybody keeps on saying family businesses are the backbone of the economy, family businesses are the most frequently encountered ownership model, family businesses contribute the most jobs, family businesses are the most innovative, but then when you ask them, so how many are there and how big is that contribution in reality, most people will, there will be a flat line at the other end basically because we really don't have much of that concrete data backing these claims up anywhere in the world. And that's what we're here for today. And I would love to start off by just you guys telling us a little bit more about the research that you have recently undertaken or the refresh of the research that you've undertaken here to at least clarify the family business's contribution to the U.S. economy, which will be a great place to start, to be fair. I'll begin, although, you know, full disclaimer, I was not uh, part of the research team, however, uh, was approached by Family Enterprise USA. They had wanted to update this research for quite some time. And within the family business community, uh, I'm the director of the Smith Family Business at Cornell University, and there are a number of other centers throughout North America. And the question constantly comes up, you know, this this research was from the early 2000s. Is there anything more current? And, and there, there really just wasn't. So Family Enterprise USA had a vested interest in, in updating this research. Um, Torsten and I go way back. Uh, and I reached out to him and, and he, uh, you know, instantly wanted to be a part of it. Um, so making the connection back with Family Enterprise USA, that's what really sort of kickstarted the project. Uh, and Torsten, uh, I'll let him explain the actual research project, but reached out to Joe Astrakhan, who was one of the authors of the original study. And uh, and off we went. So, you know, it's it's great to see this come together in a relatively short period of time as, as research standards go. Uh, and also during a difficult time, as we all know, over the last year, um, all of these businesses were facing, you know, shutdown or uh, or at least uh, changes due to COVID. So uh, Torsten and his team have done admirable work, and uh, it's wonderful now to be able to share this in a public forum. 
So in, in Torsten, if I may ask you a very naughty question, you shouldn't ask that to an academic, of course, but um, were you very biased going into this research? Did you have like clear expectations of what this was going to reveal? Sure. No, no, not nasty, not nasty at all. I think we all have kind of some some assumptions that we you know, carry around with us and uh, sometimes they also make their ways into the into the research. However, we we wanted to go over this um as unbiased a view as possible because as Dan shared and he's been a tremendous uh partner in in this uh, effort to to really see well how have things changed. So this um, original research that Joe Mastrokan, um, Melissa Schenke did in 2003 has been around for a while and uh, it was just time to update it. Uh, so maybe to take a step back. So what this research does, and you alluded to this earlier, Ramya, is that it looks at family businesses with a almost like a magnifying glass approach. Uh, so as we know, family business is not one thing. And it uses an approach depending on various definitions from very broad to very narrow. Uh, that's where this focus um, approach comes in and says, well, depending on how you define family business or so what a family business is, you can go with a very broad approach and mm -hmm. then narrow it down to a very um, specific um, meaning of family business. And when we apply this approach, it helps us assess how many family businesses there are, what impact there is to the economy and um, generally what they do and how productive they are. So that was a very appealing, still is a very appealing approach to us. And um, we've been thinking about um, repeating this, but as so often, uh, you know, other things come up and uh, we've been pushing it uh, to the side. And then when this opportunity with Family Enterprise USA came around and with, with Dan, we said, well, let's, let's do it. And um, Yeah, we're glad we did it because it was certainly um, worthwhile doing. What type of conversation do you feel this kind of research will contribute to the most? Like, what is it actually that we can gain from having these kind of real insights? I'll just start broadly, you know, from the, you know, being the connector between academia and the business world. I think what it does demonstrate is, is first the staying power of family business, especially here in the U.S that uh you know over the last 20 years despite you know broad changes in the overall economy you know family businesses still have a tremendous impact uh, and i think uh what that does for both practitioners as well as you know those that conducted the study um it gives them tools it gives them uh you know added facts uh that help them then advocate uh whether it be at a at a national level uh, as it regards to tax uh policy um at a local level uh as it regards to uh you know economic impact that these family businesses have um in both in their local community and in and regional community and i think it also gives sort of a a collective picture of how broad family business is. Uh, I know when I talk, uh, people often readily assimilate family business and small business, especially here in the U.S. You know, they, they, they instantly come back to the mom and pop store, or the corner store, and, and certainly those are um, caught in this research. But, uh, you know, the way that Torsten and his team have done it, you know, with this magnifying approach, it, it really shows that, that there is impact at all three of those levels of family business. So, um, I think it really helps to sort of collect that entire population and, and give us an idea of, of where they are active in the economy. 
I was wondering whether this kind of research will finally help us update the curriculums of education to focus on family businesses as case studies more, on family businesses more to teach entrepreneurship, which I think would be very important. So why don't you learn from family businesses the kind of entrepreneurship that lasts for generations as opposed to learning it just from, you know, the Silicon Valley companies, et cetera, and stuff like that. I grant them their place. They have their place. It's very interesting. But it's, as you said, it's applicable to such a small part of the economy. And for most people, their reality and their lives will revolve in and around such family enterprises. Is this something that you expect to happen? Are you hoping to see a shift in the curriculum as well in how we teach entrepreneurship and family business and business in general towards more of these models? Absolutely. That's definitely the hope. And this is one of the things that, that hopefully feeds into that and helps um, catalyze these efforts. Then you see a lot of the things that happen that we do with, with Afira, where we try to, to bring more people into the field from the outside and kind of hope to, well, yes, convert them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a bit of a, of a missionary uh, approach there to do too. But also look what happens in the business school community. So we see this change, but uh, we talked about this earlier, uh, jokingly, but it is true. Change just happens at uh, glacial speed in academia, and it just mm -hmm. takes it just takes long. And then when you see how incentives uh, operate in in academia, how promotions and tenure decisions are made, they come down to the publications. The cycles become shorter and shorter. You have to produce more knowledge, and then. Some academics then become a little bit opportunistic where they study where you have data. Mm. And the available data are all on public firms because they have to report all this information. Well, we know a third of the what Fortune, Fortune 500 or S&P 500 are family businesses. Okay, mm. still the vast majority of the firms, of course, are privately held and information is just harder to obtain. So... If you study right where you have data, then you obviously uh, migrate towards the publicly listed firms, and you're unable to to capture that family aspect uh, at uh, at a very profound or meaningful level. So there's a lot of things that that feed into there. But yes, ultimately, I really hope that uh, we come to a stage where if you don't teach family business, that's a school where you wouldn't send your children, right? Mm. Or where it says, look, if you don't teach anything in family business, you will not get accreditation, right? Because mm -hmm. you are just catering to the wrong audience. Hopefully, mm -hmm. we'll see this in our lifetime. I'm really optimistic. Um, but that's, I think, the, the vision. And uh, I'm sure Dan has something to add to that because he has been definitely pushing this very much at, at his circles. I feel we've, we've come a long way in that regard. And, and some other schools do so as well. But in comparison to, say, entrepreneurship, you know, in the U.S., the number of entrepreneurship programs probably ranges around 4,000 or so, and in probably less than 100 family business programs. So, you know, the message there is that entrepreneurship is sexy, start a company, build it, grow it, sell it. Uh, but for some reason, you know, sustaining a business over time for 25, 50, 100 years, maybe it's not as sexy. But I think what, what we're trying to do is, is change that narrative a bit. Uh, to help uh, those understand that these businesses have staying power, 
Um, and we've seen that through COVID over the last year. Um, you know, there's some correlating research that Family Enterprise USA has done um, around businesses during COVID and that even though many of them have suffered greatly, um, they have also persisted through through all of this. Like the, the broadest definition that you guys allowed as qualifying as a family business basically suggests that to the U.S. economy, there's a contribution of 54% of the private sector a GDP and 7.7 trillion U.S. dollars. Can you guys like talk to us just a little bit about like the finer points to this? Because this is like those are huge numbers to see. What are we supposed to read into numbers like that? You talked earlier about um, expectations or some biases that we had coming going into this, Ramya. Well, we had really no biases. We were surprised. We were stunned when we saw the results of the 2020. Um, study come back because what we see is that there are roughly 10 million family businesses more than in 2003. Now, let's take a step back and, tie, and come back to the earlier discussion that we had. If we right, take on this position that some people out there have that family businesses are, are what the scrap heap of the economy, that they don't innovate. Right, that they are slow to change, that they are there to be bought up by these big corporate giants and turned into something great, whatever that is. Right. So if that's the case, how then can we explain that there are 10 million of these more in roughly 10 years? So that was something where we went, wow, that's huge. Mm -hmm. It's 10 million. That's enormous. Right? Mm -hmm. So it, it really challenges a lot of these um, yeah, assumptions and really the biases of the people out there. Like Dan said earlier, they are, they are not all small, medium companies. They go through all size ranges. Right? They go through all industries. They go through all um, sectors in terms of their contribution. So it's, uh, it's really gratifying, too, to see that there are so many. So they are not antiquated, right? Because if they were, then we would expect there to be less. I think it does, again, speak to the relationship between entrepreneurship and family businesses that, that people tend to be opportunistic. Um, and that's where we've seen this growth. Uh, and, you know, generally speaking, you know, put yourself in any entrepreneur's face, you know, if that business or idea grows, um, you know, the, the first line of, of support and, and growth often comes from the family, whether that be financial support, mm. technical support, um, uh, even just network support. So, you know, you, you could make the argument that family businesses are just entrepreneurs that have, have succeeded. You know, they've made it past that founder stage. Uh, and, and even if the founder is still in control, uh, generally speaking, they, they very often have family involved at some capacity. I think the number is, is in the range of about 70% of all uh, entrepreneurs employ the resources of family at some point in the first five years. Let's talk a little bit about just the enablers of this contribution that family businesses are making. So you said like 10 million more family businesses have cropped up. So there's a big difference between the last so 2003 study in 2020. Now, what do you think enables the growth and the thriving of these family businesses and what will continue to enable them to grow and to thrive in the years to come. So if we take up like sort of like this study again in about 20 years from now, 
what will need to happen in order to see this growth continue and to see them prosper and to see their contribution grow or become more significant in, in any shape or form? What do you guys think? What are the contributing factors here? A lot of family businesses and, uh, and families, I think with a newer generation or younger generation coming in, there's a lot of businesses, especially here in the US, I think in the next um, 15, 20 years, this baby boomer generation is uh, is going to essentially be out of business more or less entirely, right? And it's a question of, well, what do we do with these companies, but also with the wealth that uh, that has been created by this generation? And I think from my interaction with, uh, with, with students, there's a lot of, um, I think, creativity, um, innovativeness out there that... Um, Mm. You have these younger um, folks who who want to preserve that family um, business kind of vision, but also give it their own imprint, if you want, right? And and do something with it, which is good, right? So we have a lot of these younger generations coming in and do something else, and I think that's a that's a good thing, and we see it from the research too that if you want to have your children involved. You want to give them some degrees of freedom as to how they do this and right, let them have their own word in terms of well, where they want to take the business. So I think that is one of the explanations for sure. Of course, we need to do more of the research to really, to really understand it. But I'd also say if – and there's some, some really interesting uh, debate to be had about what can we do from a public policy but also um, – legal perspective to make things a little bit easier for what family businesses to be transferred right in terms of estate taxes um general incentives to keep the business in the family and and mm. not sell it um so there are those are i think some things where you can where you can hugely affect um what is happening and our friends at uh, family enterprise usa they are they are very much into this uh, discussion of well how can we make affect changes at the public policy level that make things a little bit easier for these businesses because it's also this decision for these owners to say look if i pay more money to the government by having a business than by not having one well to me the decision is clear I should not have a business, right? Because it makes things so much more difficult for me. Well, mm. but think about it, what this means then for our employees and putting people into into work, that's not good, right? So to think about what we can do to stimulate more businesses to be transferred and to to employ more people, I think that is gonna be a big driver of hopefully continuing this positive trend. To close up with a more challenging question, I think also challenging us all who are um, knee-deep in family business, um, whether it be through research or, or personal experience or <laughs> whatever we're all doing. We've been in the family business field for a very long time, all of us. So the 2003 study largely must have been built on data that could have been attributed to the 20th century. Um, 17 years onwards, we are almost at a quarter of the 21st century, a century that we, I think we can all agree shows markedly different uh, problems and megatrends and tendencies, right? Like, so we, we live in an extremely accelerated time of technological development. Climate change has become the most urgent consideration we could possibly have. 
Reverse psychology question. <laughs> Are family businesses a realistic uh, proposition in this kind of a fast-paced changing time? Are family businesses the right model to pursue if, you know, we really have a very short planning horizon due to such high levels of uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question and an interesting way to frame it. The best way that I can respond to that, um, you know, one, I think, you know, we, we speak of family business in very glowing terms, uh, and we have a, a certain affection for them. Um, they're also not the silver bullet. And I, I bring this up in the class that I teach, you know, it, it's a, it's a double edged sword because everything mm. that, uh, strikes with the positive for family business can also strike to the negative. You know, the, the fact that these are privately owned companies signals that they can do what they want when it comes to it. Um, and, you know, and they have to choose to respond to public pressure in their own way. Um, we're seeing that public pressure, you know, wielded in ways that we've never seen it before. So I think the, um, the smart family businesses, uh, you know, need to understand the role that they play in change. However, you know, if we go back, you know, as we've already said, these family businesses have demonstrated permanence. They have been through wars. They have been through depressions and recessions. They have been through previous pandemics. Uh, you know, you, you think back, you know, a hundred years um, for any business that has survived that, they have they have seen these changes come and go. Um, and, and the one thing I think that, that unites many of them is their ability to innovate and change and adapt to, you know, where the opportunity takes them. So where does that lead? I don't know. But, you know, we have seen, you know, family businesses uh, be, uh, you know, kind of turn on a dime during uh, mm -hmm. COVID and, and produce, um, you know, PPE, produce, um, you know, ways in which they've responded to community needs. Uh, many of them have, you know, gone to great lengths not to lay off people and, and, and you know, keep supporting uh, their employees because they know um, they are so ingrained in the community. And so I think they that, that long-term view certainly helps. Um, it can go the other way as well. So I think, you know, we do need to be aware of that, um, you know, the, the benefit and the detriment of family-owned businesses is they mm. can, you know, ultimately they are not responsible to shareholders but they are responsible to stakeholders. And to, to add to that, that's it something very clearly that we saw in the in the uh, in another survey we did with a with a few people uh, really around the world, looking at how family businesses have uh, have dealt with the pandemic. That is something that we have seen very clearly that because you're family, you are able to to pivot, right? You are able to to change what you are doing because you can make those decisions quickly, right? We also see the more successful ones um, are able to, and they do invest counter-cyclically, meaning, yes, where everything shuts down during COVID, they grow and they invest into new areas. And you can do this because you have a, you have a focus, you have a, an objective, and you go for it, right? Whereas in all these other, you know, faceless, what a predatory investment funds right it's all about the money it's quick well that's that's tough to pull off these days right unless you do it as some companies what they uh, milk the cow until it dies and then even sell the carcass for a surplus right that's not what family businesses do right mm. and i think that's a really good thing that that's not the case
Well, wonderful. I mean, we look forward to seeing this type of research being replicated across many countries and across many uh, time periods so that we have a more and more solid foundation to have our lovely family business um, discussions on, which will help us, I think, uh, deepen our insights and hopefully also drive the changes that we were talking about to this conversation, which I'm very much looking forward to. Thank you both, Torsten and Dan, for your excellent contribution today on the Family Business Voice. Thanks for, for coming in. Thank you for having us, Ramya. Thanks for taking the time and asking such great questions, Ramya. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes. 